Bible. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with us to the book of Psalm, Psalm 32. This is a Psalm of David, and um, as we call our attention to the reading of God's holy word today, uh, think, just think about in a daddy's eyes, in a daddy's eyes, what do we see? Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silent, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night my hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, for thou forgavest for thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from, from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with the songs of deliverance. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy. All ye that are upright in heart, you may be seated. I am a blessed man today in that uh, I serve a living Savior. My God is alive. My Jesus is alive. The Holy Spirit is very much alive in my life. Even though I make errors, I make mistakes. And the bottom line is we all sin and come short of the glory of God. But my sins have been forgiven. And my salvation is sealed under the day of redemption when Jesus will come back and take us home. Many are being called home today. Hundreds, thousands are being called home. Either they're, they're called home to heaven or they're called home to hell because one of the two places, that's where people are going. But I think about what about a daddy? How do you measure a daddy? Socialists and feminists say we are in a, a situation today where the daddy has become obsolete. Single moms, single women with babies say, hey, I have no need of a husband. I'm making it just fine. So the question is, do we really need a daddy? The answer to that question is yes. Yes, we need a daddy. Can I get an amen? We need a daddy. A daddy needs to be present. Now, my dad's done going on, like Lynn said with hers, but I'm the daddy. I'm the next generation to pull out. But God's blessed me with two boys and and two grandsons to carry on our name unless something happens, and, and four granddaughters. And so, you know, I'm a blessed man. Some, uh, when we think about our daddies now, next, not excluding the ladies today, but when we think about our daddies, many, many of those have gone to foreign lands and given their life that we might have our freedom. Many have built roads and built hospitals and buildings and still out there working just to feed the babies and those that are living in the household. And America, dad, today, it seems like so many of them are pulling out. They're giving up instead of sticking with it. You realize this? I didn't realize it. Over two million daddies are missing in America. They know where they are, but their wives, 
Their children have no idea where they were or where they are. Not long ago, we had a seminar with men, and we were discussing our daddies. And it broke my heart when one of the men in that group said, I don't even know who my daddy is. I can't believe it. It's hard to accept that. How can, a, how can you not know who your daddy is? Well, you know whose fault that is. That's the daddy's fault. Me and I'm talking to you. I'm talking to me. We are the daddy. And if you're a daddy, you need to stand on the word of God. You need to share Jesus with your children and love that lady that God's given you. I tell you right now, a man that will abuse his wife ought to be taken out. And my daddy said use a buggy whip on him. I mean, if you can't stand up and fight a man, you got no business fighting a woman, that's for sure. Well, I'm going to tell you this how it is today. In a daddy's eyes, what do you see today? In my mind, I can close my eyes or I can not close my eyes, and I can see each one of my boys. As I said, Preacher Gene Burdett, passed, uh, his wife passed away. We were there at the home last evening. Gene's in his 90s and still just as sharp. He, he remembers. And... Uh, Josh was, uh, was born when we were there in Pierstown, and we had him dedicated to the Lord. And uh, yesterday, Preacher Burdett was remembering when I put him, he was three and a half years old, put him on the front of my motorcycle sitting on the gas tank with a pad and his little helmet on, and we headed to West Virginia. And Preacher Burdett's wife said, Gene, you got to stop this. You, you got to stop him from taking that young'un to West Virginia, said he'll kill that baby. This is Shore's world. Well, of course, we went, and, and preacher, he, he remembered that yesterday. And thinking back about our children have grown up, and, and now they have their own wives, and they have their own children, their own households. And in a daddy's eyes, I can say, God, thank you, Jesus, for giving me what you gave Lynn and me and allowed us to train them up the way they ought to go. And so when they're old, the Bible says, they won't depart from it. In a daddy's eyes, first of all, we see a potential. We see a potential. I'm not going to go back and read these scriptures, but in Luke's gospel, chapter 15, has the story of the prodigal son. Many of you have heard that. Perhaps you haven't, but if you have or you have not, that one of the sons went to his daddy. He said, I want what's coming to me. I want my inheritance. I don't want to wait till you die. I want my inheritance, and I want it now. So the daddy said, okay, I'll divide it up, and I'm going to give you your inheritance, but that's all you're going to get. That's it. The son took the inheritance. The Bible says he left home and he lived lavishly. He had friends beyond measure. But when the money was gone, he had no friends. He had no place to live. He had no food. The Bible says he went and joined himself to a local farmer. And the farmer gave him a job of feeding swine. You know what he ended up eating? Hog slop. That's what he ended up eating. The Bible says that he came to his senses. He said, I know exactly what I'll do. I'll go back home. I'll ask my daddy, will he take me back? Not as a son, but will he take me back as a hired servant? If he'll do that, at least I'll have a place to sleep. I'll have food to eat, and I'll have clothes to wear. And so that's what he did. Every day from the day that boy left home until he came back, that daddy every day was praying. And looking in the direction that that boy left, looking for him to come back. The Bible says that one day he saw on the horizon a figure. 
as he got closer, he realized and noticed, hey, that's my boy. The Bible says he didn't wait for that son to come to him. He ran to that son, fell on his neck, kissed him, brought him into the house, put a robe on him, put a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet, and clothes on his back. Why did he do all that? I mean, the boy done been given everything, and he went out and wasted it. One reason, because that daddy saw potential in that son. I've heard daddies tell their boys that you ain't no count. You'll never amount to nothing. You're just a bunch of junk. In fact, you were an accident. There's another daddy that needs buggy whipping. I'm going to tell you, I thank God today I never told either one of our boys that they wasn't no count, that they couldn't learn, never would amount to anything. I've done everything I could to teach and train them. When, when they were old enough, they went to the shop with me. They worked with me. I find an old engine that wouldn't run. I say, here, take this thing apart and see what's inside of it. They got to where they could take them apart. They could put them back together. They could make them run and Hey, the oldest one started going with me laying brick when he was three and a half years old. I got pictures of him with a trial in his hand laying a backup wall in a porch in Anderson in an architect's house. And the architect made the pictures. So he tells everybody he's 41 now that he's been laying brick since he was three and a half years old. And he has. Hey, the other one, I can't call their names, you realize that. The other one went with me to the jockey lot one day in, in Pickens, and he came back. He said, Daddy, there's a weed eater down there. The man wants $15 for it, but it won't run. I said, go offer him seven and a half. He was gone. Ricky come back with that weed eater. When he got home, he took that thing apart. He put it back together and made it run. He didn't learn that on his own. His daddy taught that. I saw potential in these boys that they could become something. And hey, if I die today, they, they've got good jobs. They can provide for their families. And I've done my part. But there's not a day goes by. We don't pray for our boys because we still see potential in, their, in, in our eyes. They have potential. Well, in a daddy's eyes, we see our youngest potential. Secondly, in a daddy's eyes, we see our pattern. There is a pattern there. In Judges chapter 13, I'm not going to read that, but there was a man by the name of Manoah. Manoah and his wife. Manoah and his wife. His wife couldn't have children. She was barren. But a, a God sent an angel to Manoah's wife and says to her, in a few days, you're going to be expecting a baby. And here's what I want you to do. Here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you drinking anything that's going to harm that baby while you're carrying it. I don't want you to eat anything that's going to harm that baby. What he's saying, hey, whatever you put in your body is going to go into that baby. Do you hear me, girls? You get pregnant, hopefully, hopefully you... You're going to do right. You know, I've seen ladies pregnant just sucking on a cigarette. I've seen them pregnant drinking beer, and I'm satisfied taking drugs. Whatever you intake is going into that baby. So that's what the, the angel of the Lord said to Manoah's wife. I don't want you doing anything that's going to cause harm to this baby. Well, she went and told Manoah about it. Are you kidding? We're going to have a child? You're exactly right. We are. I'm pregnant. We're going to have a baby. And God has instructed me already of what to do and not to do for this child. 
And so he, he, was, he, was, he was happy. He was happy about it. And, uh, you know, he makes a statement. Um, he said, I'd love to meet that person. Well, that person, uh, again, appeared to the, to the wife and said, you just assure him that I am from the Lord. I'm an angel from the Lord. Now, I don't know if you believe in angels or not, but I do. We're surrounded by them. Guardian angels guarding us. Well, say, why? What happens when something bad happens? Hey, that's life. It's going to happen. But that doesn't mean you don't have a, a guardian angel around you. Listen, the secret of leading our children to success uh, in life is we must go before them. We must set the example before them. Um, what would happen today, listen, if our children saw an image of the Lord in our eyes? Manoah, as he looked into the eyes of his wife, I'm satisfied he got an image. He got a glimpse, a twinkle in that eye that the Lord put there to assure him, hey, everything's going to be fine now, Manoah. I know you, you felt bad going out with the boys and everybody's having babies but you. But you be assured, you rest assured, it's going to happen because there's a pattern here. And so as that baby came, hey, it was his job uh, to raise that child and to teach that child. Uh, we think about teaching and training. Uh, the Bible don't say uh, to teach. It says to train, train up. That means hands-on. That means side-by-side. Side. That don't mean... well. Here you are, here's your money, here's your car, now get out of my sight. A lot of parents, a lot of daddies do that. Here's the car, here's the money, you do what you want to, don't bother me. A lot of, I've heard of this, a lot of these uppity-up crowd that has a lot of money take their children, send them off for the whole summer to these camps and pay for everything. Hey, you turn, you turn a, a, an animal loose just to do what they want to and they become a wild animal, Right? And so it is with our children. We can't afford to turn our children loose. We've got to make... There is a pattern. There, there is a potential. But let, let me give you another. Uh, in a daddy's eyes, there is a, a position. There is a position. Uh, in Genesis 27, there's a story there of Isaac and Rebekah and Esau and Jacob. And sorry to say, this pattern, this story... Is repeated in a lot of homes today. If you don't remember the story, Isaac, the Bible says, was old. His eyes were becoming dim to the point that he became blind. He couldn't see. So he called his oldest child, Esau. He said, son, I don't know how much. He said, in fact, the scripture says, I don't know when I will die. But I want to go ahead and bless you. Before I die. I want to take care of that business before I die. He said, I want you to go out into the field, out into the wild, kill me a deer, fix it, bring it in here, and if when you do, we'll eat, and I will kiss you, and I will bless you. Well, Rebecca, the mother, heard this conversation. So, she goes to Jacob, said, son, come here quick, come here quick. Said, Listen, your daddy is about to bless Esau. Now, I know to get it. But I want you to have it. I want you to have the blessing, not him. Jealousy. So she says, here's what you do. She said, you go out back and get two little, little, little tender goats. Kill them things, skin them, 
bring me the meat. I'll fix it for your daddy because I know exactly how he likes to have it fixed. He said, well, but mama said Esau is real heavy. And daddy's going to feel of a guarantee. And he's going to recognize that's ain't, this ain't, I ain't who I'm supposed to be. She said, don't you worry. I'll fix the meal. You skin the goats and bring me the fur. She took the fur and put it on his hands and and around his neck. So when he went in, he went in to carry the venison, to carry the deer, the, the, the meal that had been fixed to his daddy. And his daddy said, son, how'd you get this so quick? Jacob lied right there. He says, oh, God provided for me real quick, and I brought it into you because I know that's what you like. Come closer, son. I want the feel of you to make sure. He said, the voice is like Jacob. And I want you to understand, hey, I want a feel of you. So he feels of me, feels the hair. And he said, it feels like Esau, but it's Jacob's voice. Nevertheless, I will bless you. And he blessed Jacob instead of Esau. And Esau came in. And the Bible says he cried aloud and begged his father to bless him. Listen, that that don't need to be in a household. All children need to be treated equally. No matter what age, no matter where they come from, no matter what disabilities they have, they all need to be treated fairly. Why do we do things like we do? I'll never in all my life understand or know why we do what we do. But listen, there needs to be a potential. Show that your children have potential. Be the pattern that they need to follow. And know that the position, hey, it's up to God to put you and I where we were. 